0: Released in June 1970, Edwin Starr's version of War was a tremendous success. It reached the number one spot in both the US and Canada, and hit number three on the UK singles chart. The stridently anti-war song chimed strongly with the public mood, as opposition to the Vietnam War was growing rapidly on both sides of the Atlantic. The single also benefited from its driving, psychedelic soul soundscape overseen by producer Norman Whitfield, and from the enormously powerful and furious vocal by Starr. Over 50 years later, Starr's version of War is one of the most recognisable and popular recordings from the glory years of soul and funk, thanks in part to frequent airplay and its use in movies like Rush Hour in 1998. But Edwin Starr himself is hardly a household name, and while soul fans will readily remember him as the performer of War, they won't necessarily know a lot about him or about the rest of his career. The man himself died in 2003, but it's always a good time to delve into the discography of one of Soul's most underrated stars. There are many reasons to be thankful for War, one of the most wonderfully powerful anti-war songs ever made, but one of them is that without it, Edwin Starr might have languished in obscurity. That Starr was able to record it in the first place was the product of some very specific and unusual circumstances rooted in his particular background and career trajectory. Edwin Starr was born Charles Edwin Hatcher in 1942. While the young Hatcher was born in one of the definitive centres of American music, Nashville, Tennessee, he mostly grew up in Ohio after his family moved there. Later, Starr moved to Detroit, Michigan and signed as a solo act with the small local label Rick Tick. Both this label and its associated company Golden World were competitors for Barry Gordy's rapidly growing Motown empire. Much to Gordy's frustration, his studio musicians would frequently breach their contracts by visiting Golden World Studios and making recordings for them out of hours as a means of supplementing their income. His solution was costly but effective. He bought out and absorbed both Golden World and Riktik, acquiring their acts and recording facilities in one stroke. This meant that Starr became a Motown act overnight, and through no action on his part. Star continued to record with Motown into the 1970s, and later became one of a number of US soul stars who decided to move to the UK. Motown had re-released a number of Star's early recordings for Riktik, to which the company owned the rights, because they were popular on the UK Northern Soul circuit. He remained a hero to this fanbase. Starr lived in a number of locations in the UK, before sadly dying at just 61 in April 2003. He was buried in Nottingham. Number 1. Agent 00 Soul, released in 1965 by Rictic. Probably the most notable single from Starr's early days on the Rick Tick label, Agent 00 Soul represents an obvious effort to cash in on the massive contemporary popularity of the James Bond movies, which were a major cultural phenomenon at the time. In a way, the song feels like a precursor to the exploitation movies that would follow in the 1970s, when for the first time African Americans would be able to play International Super Spies. The lyrics cast Starr as a sophisticated, urbane individual who's tasked with hunting down those who lack soul in order to turn their lives around. Very silly hokum, obviously, but Starr's powerful voice and raw talent were more than obvious, even at this stage. Number 2. Soulmaster, released in 1968 by Motown. Star never released an LP with Rick Tick, but shortly after they were acquired in 1968... He was able to issue his debut album through Motown. Soul Master contains a mix of new and older material, with the latter including the previously released single Agent 00 Soul. The title track comes across as a kind of sequel to that song, opening with a very cool spoken word introduction. It has star cast off his old persona in favor of a new one, the Soul Master. Apparently, he is the guy they named Soul after. Here, Starr seems to revel in the chance to rebrand and relaunch himself under new management, and this song, while never released as a single, is a highlight of the LP. Number 3, 25 Miles, released in 1969, Bo Motown. Starr was not a particularly prolific writer, but he did have a hand in writing a number of his successful singles, including 25 Miles, which served as the title track of his second album with Motown. As the title implies, the song is about a long walk to earn a woman's love, like a kind of more modest but musically superior 500 miles. The insistent horns throughout and the sound of marching feet in the intro are two of the more distinctive aspects of the recording. The song was a major hit in the US, hitting number 6 on the chart. Surprisingly, the Jackson 5 recorded their own version of the song in 1969, which features a lead vocal by an 11-year-old Michael Jackson, and was not released until a dubiously updated remix of it was put out in 1987. The original version took even longer to emerge, finally seeing the light of day in 2009. Number 4, Oh How Happy with Blinky, released in 1970 by Motown. Oh How Happy is a simple song with a somewhat complicated history. Starr is credited as the sole writer of the record, which was first released by the white group The Shades of Blue in 1966 and became a number 12 pop hit in the US. However, according to The Shades of Blue themselves, they contributed to the writing but went uncredited and lost out financially. Starr recorded his own version on Soulmaster, and then it became the only single he released as part of a short-lived partnership with Blinky Williams. Motown put the pair together as a duo in the vein of Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, but the combination lasted for just one LP, titled Just We Two. The Jackson 5 also released their own version on their imaginatively titled Third Album. Number 5. Time, released in 1970 by Motown. By late 1969, Starr was working with producer Norman Whitfield, best known for his association with one of Motown's top acts, The Temptations. Strongly influenced by Whitfield, Starr produced himself on Time, which expert Terry Wilson has called his pivotal release. Crackling with energy and touching on the themes of unrest, war and change, which would dominate his imminent most successful period, Time is the most propulsive and exciting record that Starr had cut up to this point. It's included on his first properly mature album, War and Peace, and is easily one of the highlights. In its own way, it's very nearly as accomplished and thrilling as his breakthrough. Number 6 War, released in 1970 by Motown. Immediately recognisable even from its opening drum roll, War is an indisputable all time funk soul classic. Produced by Norman Whitfield, the definitive anti-war soul single is the perfect showcase for Starr's booming, passionate voice. The track is also one of the best demonstrations of the emerging psychedelic soul style, which was strongly pioneered by Whitfield through his work both with Starr and The Temptations, among others. In fact, War was originally a Temptations album track. Due to the then-controversial political message, Barry Gordy was unwilling for the clean-cut group to release the song as a single. Starr learned of this and swiftly volunteered to record his own version. He was perfectly suited to it, and was richly rewarded as it became a number one smash and one of the best selling singles of 1970 in the United States. Number 7 Stop the War Now, released in 1970 by Motown. Famously, Berry Gordy based the Motown production process on the standardized, efficient operations at Detroit Auto Plants. Where the Svengali had previously worked. One result of this was that Motown could often be brazenly cynical in its pursuit of an easy cash-in, for example by rehashing successful songs. Stop the War Now is a perfect example, an obvious rewrite of the smash hit War. Realising this takes little from its appeal though, Star's performance is just as gripping and the song does enough to differentiate itself. Record bias saw through Motown's cynicism and the single wasn't particularly successful, but it's still an exciting listen in its own right. Number 8. Funky Music, Show Enough, Turns Me On Released in 1971 by Motown The social consciousness of war would be a long-standing feature of Starr's work, but he was certainly not above a bit of pure hedonism, as Funky Music, Show Enough, Turns Me On proved decisively. Another psychedelic production by Whitfield, this excellent track, reflects the rapidly growing success of funk music in the early 1970s. Terry Wilson credits songs like this with inspiring much of the club music of the 80s and 90s and describes it as a radical creation in bodily sensation. It is, like a lot of funk music, as much about the body as it is about the mind. Free your mind and your ass will follow, as Funkadelic had put it the previous year. Number 9, Ain't It Hell Up in Harlem, released in 1973 by Motown. The wave of exploitation movies in the 1970s proved to be fertile ground for soul and funk artists who were frequently drafted in on soundtrack duties. The better-known soundtrack LPs are actually some of the best albums in the genre released during this era. The likes of James Brown, Marvin Gaye, Curtis Mayfield, Bobby Womack, Willie Hutch and others all got involved. So too did Starr. He was recruited to record a soundtrack to the 1973 film Hell Up in Harlem, a sequel to Black Caesar, which, true to the prolific output of the genre, had been released earlier that year, and which had been scored by James Brown. Number 10. You've Got My Soul on Fire, released in 1973 by Motown. In 1973, Berry Gordy made the fateful decision to move much of Motown's operation from its iconic base in Detroit out west to California. A number of significant figures refused to make this move and remain behind in Michigan, including Starr and his producer Norman Whitfield. You've Got My Soul on Fire is a product of this period, an unsuccessful non-album single which Terry Wilson speculates was originally written for The Temptations and describes as essentially a love song phrased in the style of an angry tirade. The lyrics are deft and clever, and as usual, Starr's muscular performance is perfectly suited to Whitfield's gently experimental soul production. A near-forgotten classic from towards the end of Starr's golden period. While the peak of Starr's career was in the early 1970s, he continued to record into the mid-1990s. His second wind came towards the end of the 70s, when he adapted to the disco craze more successfully than some of his contemporaries. His singles Contact from 1978 and Happy Radio from 1979 were significant successes, and while they don't stand up to his best work, they are interesting in their own right. As brilliant and historically important as War is, Starr's discography has so much more to offer, and even a cursory look at his early 70s heyday reveals a number of superb soul and funk singles, which saw Starr work in perfect harmony with producer Norman Whitfield. These ten tracks are a good starting point for looking at a career which, outside of one hit single, too often fails to be recognised, even by Motown fans. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can find more of my writing in text and audio form at my site andyjohnson.xyz. You can also find me on Twitter at andyjohnsonuk, and you can support me at patreon.com andyjohnson. Catch you next time.